This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. This is Home Booth Month. And talking of which, a couple of weeks ago we talked about, is your booth killing you? Um, George has been doing a bit of research and came across a device that could actually save your life. What is it, George? Well, you know, there are air filters and then there are air filters. The conventional air filters a lot of people might have in their home, they'll have like a HEPA filter device or something of that nature to try to suck the, the, you know, the bad things out of the air, the particulates, the dust, pollen, stuff like this. But there are some really fancy ones that can do even more. And some of them can even remove VOCs. So as we were talking about that smell that comes off new materials, new cars, things like that, um, some people are really sensitive to that and it's really irritating. So there are air filters that can remove it. And um, I'm, I'm only going to plug one because this is the one I've heard about most recently and it's, it's got a lot of good science behind it and, and all that. Um, but they have what's called a VOC destruction report. To, to prove it um, that you can download. And uh, so this product is called Molecule. Um, it's a person, you can get a small one, a very compact one for about 350 US, or you can get a much larger one to like, you know, work in most of your home. And uh, so that small one would be perfect for a personal booth or home studio situation. And let that thing run um, as much as you can whenever you're not recording because it's probably too loud to record with, and it will um, destroy the volatile organic compounds such as formaldehyde, toluene, and D-lemonine. Never heard of it. I'm <laughs> just reading the paper. <laughs> Sounds like a drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, so this is, a, this is a way to offset this. So for folks that maybe have already bought the booth or have gotten a product and now they're worried about it, at least there's something that you could purchase to help offset that. And a filter that's capable of destroying a VOC in the air is what you'll be looking for. Most of them can't do this. So uh, Molecule, which is spelled M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E, is one of those specialized filters. But there's a something to try. Wow. It's, I've, I've actually got one here. It's a Russell Hobbs air purifier called Mountain Breeze. And the best game you can play with that is fart on it. <laughs> is that right? It just goes mental. <laughs> All the methane. Yeah. <laughs> the fans go crazy. The fans go crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, so try that out if you're if you're really concerned. Look for a VOC uh capable air qual air air purifier. Yeah, right. Now talking about booths, that, that was the question, in fact, the topic of this show, what is in your booth? Mm. Um because a lot of people load their booths up with screens and computers and all sorts of stuff. Mine basically has a mic, headphones, and a headphone amp, and that's pretty well it. The classic booth. The classic booth. A booth in the in sort of the purest sense of the word, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. a voice-performing booth. So what are the challenges for you, George, when you're um, helping people set up a booth and then they want to stick everything in there? It's hard to come up with a specific need that a certain person's going to have. You really have to work with someone who has done this for a while for them to form an opinion of what they prefer. And I find that the more seasoned actors, the people that have been doing this longer, generally, I think, like that minimalistic kind of way of doing it. The idea that you go into the booth, now you're performing. You're now an actor, right? 
You're not monitoring a VU meter on the screen. You're not punching and rolling. You know, you're not operating yeah. Pro Tools. You're in actor mode. And that, I think, is a very valid thing. And a lot of people still like to do that. The downside of it is it can be a little less productive if you have to do and turn around a lot of auditions. So here in the U.S., a lot of actors, they spend a tremendous amount of their days just doing auditioning. And mm. so they're recording, editing, processing, saving, sending, rinse and repeat over and over and over. So having a separate space for that could be a little cumbersome. In and out, in and out, in and out, sitting, standing, sitting, standing. So they find that having that uh, capability inside the booth is pretty handy. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're putting all kinds of stuff in there, you know, a second display, keyboard, monitor, and mouse. Some people have a silent laptop so they can get away with having it in the booth. Some people have an iPad just for reading their scripts and their laptop. Um, some people will have more than one microphone. So they can, on the fly, they can just decide, well, this is, a, this is an audition for an audiobook, so I'm going to use my, my large diaphragm condenser and they'll switch microphones, you know? So I've seen quite a lot in some booths. Uh, you know, so I know a guy, um, he's been on our show, Jeff Berlin. Do you remember when he talked about yeah, yeah. what he puts inside his tri-booth when he's working on the road? I think he may have talked about it. It's like he's got a MIDI controller, He's got a second monitor. He's got all kinds of stuff, you know. Um, but he wants to replicate um, what he has when he works from home as best as possible. For him, all of those controls and tools for him are productive. They add productivity. He can work more quickly and get things done, you know, and move on to the next. And for other folks, all of those things become a hindrance. They're a distraction. It's more stuff that can go wrong. You walk a tightrope. I walk a tightrope all the time. I'm like, I know you want to do all these things, but it might be so complicated to do all those things that you may find yourself burning a lot of time just trying to make it work every time. This kind of goes into what we were talking about. How much should a voice actor be responsible to do? Yeah, yeah. In their own studio, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, some folks are doing audiobooks and a lot of the audiobook recording processes and, and production companies want the actors to do what they call punch and roll recording. It's really roll and punch, but that's what they call it. Yeah. And, um, and so that really, there's really no way to do that without a real keyboard monitor and mouse at your fingertips. I mean, you have to be able to control the system, see your input, you know, where you're going to punch in and you need to have all that stuff. So for them, it becomes necess a necessity. And then you'll have like Scott Brick, who we had on a few weeks ago. He was like, I don't want any of that stuff because I don't want to be distracted. I can't switch my brain from being an actor to being an engineer. So yeah. as I just said in the last three minutes, there's no right answer, you know? there's just, It varies all over the place from what people want. It was interesting with Jeff because I do remember him talking about the fact that he has like three different versions of the same read, uh, two different sets of processing and then one basically raw. Right. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's <laughs> that's pretty intense. I don't think I'll be going there. <laughs> but uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sort of more towards the Scott sort of uh, territory for me, I think. So, I know, yeah. I know, I know Robbo and Robert's opinion about the, the actors processing. I, I had another thought, you know, because we still want to have a world where an actor can be an actor. 
that's what I want to see. And I, I want a world where an actor could be an actor and an engineer can be an engineer. We're blurring that line constantly and more and more people are having to do the engineer's job. Um, and it's because of budgets. Well, it's because of budgets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why else would you not hire the proper talent for the, for the particular need? Like, why wouldn't you else would you not have an actual audio engineer who's an expert at this? And an actor is an expert at that. If you can save money, then they say, well, you do both, right? And something is going to suffer almost all the time. Yeah. So the actors are are left in this weird limbo position of like knowing that they shouldn't process because they've been told not to process. Then um, other projects being sent out with the audio unprocessed and Mm. sounding like garbage because, well, they didn't know any better. And so the client was just handing off an MP3 or a wave to a video editor who doesn't know how to process. And then they're making this cruddy mix. They're left in a weird position. But I had the idea recently of, why don't actors on their websites, just like they would have their demo or their reel, also have a dry, raw sample of their studio and a wet sample? So the dry being you, your mic, your pre, and your computer, just as it sounds. And then a wet sample would be a moderate amount of processing, like what it would sound like if an actual talented engineer was actually working on your, your audio. So the, to the, so the consumer or the customer in this case that's buying your voice can hear what it should actually sound like or what it could potentially sound like. What do you guys think of that idea? It's a great idea. I, I, I'm going to sort of defer to Robbo on this one, but I there's only one thing I would say, and that is that um, processing of the voice can vary quite a lot based oh, on absolutely what the spot is. Hmm. Do you agree, Robbo? I would totally agree because the, the problem I have is you can always take away, but it's hard to add in terms of frequencies and stuff, especially if something's been taken away completely. So if someone thinks Mm -hmm. I've been told to roll off the bottom end, so they roll off the bottom end on their voiceover and then I end up with that file, but they've rolled off too much, it's really hard for me to put that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I make those sort of decisions in the mix. I sort of, once I've got my music in there and see what's happening with the bottom end in that or sound effects underneath or whatever else. I mean, if, if you looked at a Pro Tools session of mine, you'll see that the main voiceover track, nine times out of 10, the EQ is actually automated because it, especially mm-hmm. with radio imaging, you've got so many things going underneath that there are some times when you want a bit more bottom end into the voice because there's not much else going underneath. But then there's other times in the promo that it's got a thumping, you know, 808 kick underneath. And so the voiceover sure. doesn't need as much bottom end. Sure. So, yeah. So, but if I haven't got those frequencies in my voiceover to play with to begin with, I'm screwed. So that's yeah. kind of why I roll. I push the please don't, please don't play with your voiceover bandwagon. So you'd rather have a wave file that's totally raw and maybe has rumble. Maybe it has some you know white noise and other garbage in there. Yeah, but that is still preferable to you, the engineer, because you still get to control the vertical and the horizontal. Well, everyone knows the and dry audio with nothing on it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is you know we talk about this all the time. I know I bring it up a lot, but. It's because it's such a confusing ta- thing for the actors. Yeah. So Robbo was talking about, well, I want it all. And I'm saying, well, do you want it all? Even it means that there's like a standing wave at 60 hertz hum and a little rumble from the neighbor's air conditioner and all this other stuff. 
Um, is that what you I would want? I would say only if the actor really okay. So if George the Tech goes over there, figures out that sixty hertz standing wave, gets the right filter in there, and it is the right setup, and that's all you can do in that setup, then obviously it's easier that it's done right, and I get it as right as it can be because it can't be better. Then sure, do it. The problem is that when people start hacking at shit with filters and, and yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, X, I don't yeah. want it sounding like you're underwater with a sock in your mouth mm-hmm. because you're afraid <laughs> right. of a little bit of noise. Yeah. And the thing is too, I think, you know, if we were talking back in analog days, you know, I probably would want a little bit. In fact, you know, when, when I was working in a, a network radio situation, the voiceovers I would get delivered did have a little bit of EQ and a little bit of compression on them. Um, but the thing is in a digital age, it doesn't need any of that because I'm not compensating for tape or anything else. I'm right. getting a pristine, you know, or a digital audio file. So especially in 24 bit, you that's have right. a massive yeah. dynamic range, right? That's right. Yeah. So, so, so and, that's, and, and I would rather have the actor take care of the standing wave, not with filters and EQs, but I would rather have the actor take care of the standing wave with some bass traps or by assassinating their neighbor who makes too much noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we all like to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you've, you've probably yeah. touched on a topic that, that I was going to talk about in, in this episode, given that we're, we're talking about what is in your booth. Um, on the back of our episode a couple of weeks ago about, about diffusion versus absorption, um, on my LinkedIn page, uh, a guy I'm connected with, a guy called Josh Newth here in Australia, said, great episode. So would you say lean towards absorption in a VO booth and lean towards diffusion in the mixing area? Now, you may correct me on this, George, because you're the professional here, but my answer was, I think it's really about what you're trying to achieve. If your booth sounds too tight and boxy, then maybe you might want to introduce a bit of diffusion in there. And if your studio sounds too open and roomy, then you might want to add some absorption, correct? It is a balance. I'm, I, I'm not an expert at tuning control rooms. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be straight up about that. And I know that that's, there's a different kind of requirements for a control room. You know, I know that in a voiceover booth, dead is pretty much the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty much expected to have an RT60 of between 0.1 and 0.2 seconds. And what that means is like, if you make an impulse, like a finger snap or a clap, how long does that sound take to decay to, to minus 60 dB, right? So if the impulse is zero, right. It, how long does it take till it decays to minus 60? In a voiceover booth, it's got to be incredibly short, like 0.1 to 0.2, right? That's really pretty dead. But a control room wouldn't necessarily work that well. It wouldn't translate very well. It may not sound real or natural. Maybe the mix balance would be off. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think I think in general you're better off absorbing first and then diffusing later. Yeah. Um and meaning that what does that mean? What do you mean by that? In other words, record if, dead as possible, but monitor more diffuse or no, but just treat even, your room even with in absorption your control and then room. add diffusion later. Like in well, we're talking about a control room specifically here, yeah. or or are we talking about a booth? Now we're talking about control room. Okay, so even like in general, in all circumstances, I would say, um, except unless you are a orchestra 
and you're talking about the live room, which obviously has that word live it's in another, it. Yeah, it's so that thing, does yeah. not have absorption in it. So a booth or a control room, I would absorb first, and then I would start looking at diffusion after you have decided that it's too dead and sterile and you can't stand it for more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to have some more dispersion and a little bit more life because it's just sounding too anechoic. I think that normally your your bigger problems are going to come from reflections and um, absorption is hard to deal with in the low frequencies. That's where your bass trapping comes in. But in the mid and upper frequencies, it's all absorption. And then if you feel like you've finally gone too far, then you can start introducing diffusion so that you don't introduce like snap like um you know how you can stand in the stairway and clap your hands and get like a boing you literally hear it yeah, as a frequency like a ping-ponging you don't sound. you don't want any flutter echoes so right, if you want to bring some life back into the room because it's too anechoic and just dead sounding and you can't stand it then start bringing in switching out some of your absorption for um diffusion there you go yeah that that's you know and that comes with tons of experience that yeah. like that's that's knowing what it should sound like that's working in other studios, knowing what the right sound sounds like. That takes. And there's, there's all kinds of other great tricks with with like take a mirror and put it by your speakers. And I, I forget exactly how this works, but as you sit there, whatever you see in the mirror is exactly what the speaker is going to bounce off of. Right, mm-hmm. that's right. And then go treat that wall or that surface that that's you see. That's what we in call the their first reflection. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And same this, I, I do the same in a booth occasionally. I'll tell people if you're wondering if your computer monitor, you know, we've talked about putting stuff in the booth. So people got they got 24 inch computer monitors and all kinds of stuff shoved into their Studio Bricks booth. You know, it's pretty crowded in there, and they're like, "Well, am I getting reflection off the monitor?" And that's exactly how you can find out. You just put a cheap little compact mirror against mm-hmm. the screen, and if you're standing at your mic and you see your mouth in the mirror. That means that display is reflecting the sound of your mouth back at the mic, and that's right. Bad. Or, or if you put the mirror by the mic and you see your display, same thing. It's same thing, right? Right. So you, you, what do you do? You just tilt the display, you know, a few degrees one way or the other, so that you can no longer see the reflection, and that will def- that'll deflect your voice away from the mic. You know, that's a little right. simple, easy way to fix that. But and then and then if it does find its way into the mic, it's coming from a secondary instead of a primary reflection. Right. Yeah. So right. if you direct it towards a window, for instance, it could <laughs> right. straight back at you. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Early <laughs> reflections in a voiceover booth are bad. That you don't want your voice to be picked up more than once by the mic. Exactly. You don't want it pick, being picked up once from your voice directly, and then another one from the bounce off the desk. And another one from the bounce off the glass window, and another one from right. a window. You know, Boing. all those things when they combine create this yeah. um, hollow nasal. I'm in a tube comb, comb filter. Comb filter. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Comb filter sound. Why is it called a comb filter? Because imagine so an like. equalizer with a bunch of holes in mm-hmm. it. You know, where the signal drops away, and it kind of resembles a comb. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You don't want that. That's bad. That's real bad. That's real bad. Well, there you go. What's in your booth? Um, Why don't you drop us an email and let us know. And we'll be back next week to talk about headphones. Well, that was fun. Is it over? 
Pro Audio Suite recorded using Rode NTG5s and Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website, theproaudiosuite.com.